It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with, with Brett Ruff. Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Older than one. Oh, yeah, time to take you home on a Monday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Romp, along with our producer, Adam Lundy. Big hour on the way. We're going to have Don Fisher. It's our 15 minutes with Fish, the legendary Hall of Fame play-by-play voice for the Indiana Hoosiers, who will join us coming up around 520. And, of course, you're always connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Good day to text the show because it's kind of a quiet day since a lot of people had the day off because of President's Day. So things a little quieter. Although, what's the status of that backup? There was a backup earlier. I know it's been like an hour ago on I-69 at uh, exit 302. Is that done? Did they finish the backup? I have no idea, Brett. See, we give you on-time traffic reports. We tell you we tell you an hour later. By the way, if you were in there, we knew about it, just didn't tell you until now. Exactly. We're really helpful. Because our text line, fortunately, connects to our sister station, WoWo's Newsroom. And so people that text in, like, traffic reports and updates, we get a chance to see them. Did you know there's a major winter storm heading into Wisconsin this week? Yeah, you said that a little bit earlier when we were talking about these games that you got to go uh, call for Purdue-Fort Wayne. We were uh, scheduled to leave uh, late Wednesday, but it looks like it's moved up. So coming up on Wednesday, we're going to be, I'll be out of here, and Shannon Griffith, the coach, will take over in the host chair for the Sports Rush on Wednesday. Of course, all week long, Caleb Hatch taking some time off. I guess he's out skiing. (laughs) Someone just texted in, Sports Rush, traffic still sucks. (laughs) Okay, so uh, I-69, apparently still a problem. And now they're actually sending us the traffic updates. (laughs) We're stealing the traffic updates. We'll pass the word on to Wowo, uh, (laughs) who actually does traffic updates. But, no, there's a big winter storm heading into Wisconsin, so we are going to have to take off a little early to try to get there and take on Milwaukee Thursday, Green Bay on Saturday. Huge games to wrap up the regular season. Hard to believe that this weekend is the end of the regular season. And the Mastodons, of course, with that dramatic win yesterday, getting a Damian Sean Quee three-pointer. As the horn sounded, he got it off. Apparently, after you watch the replay, he got the shot off at 0.3. And to go from 2.8 and take two dribbles, three dribbles, whatever he took to midcourt, to plant, set, and shoot it from about 36 feet, um, that's just that's just having almost a clock in your head. You've, I mean... He didn't rush. He didn't panic. He just dribbled up into the front court, set, planted, long shot, but he did nothing but hit the bottom of the cup. And the Mastodons get the victory. Big dog pile. Fans were delirious. Of course, 
It was at the Gate Center, which makes it that much more fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a, a, a fun environment to play there at the Gate Center where the roof is lower, there's an echo, so the crowd sounds so much louder than at the Coliseum. And, of course, the play did get some uh, national recognition, making it to number one. Number one. On SportsCenter last night. How about that? The number one play on SportsCenter, Damian Sean Quee hitting the three-point shot. So, big week for the Mastodons. Right now, they sit in ninth place, but there are five teams, four teams or five teams, four teams that are within a couple of games, and based on who plays who and all of that, you're looking at a possibility, a definite possibility, that if the Dons, who might have the toughest part of of this leg, if they go out and they win both games in Wisconsin, they could find themselves in a five-way tie for fifth place by the time the weekend is over. This is very similar to what we went into last year, except the Dons were fighting for first place. This year, they're just fighting for seeding position, and it's a huge difference between ninth place and six, seven, and eight, because six, seven, and eight are going to host the first-round game in the Horizon League tournament. The ninth-place team would have to go on the road and play the first round. Then they would have to go on the road a couple days later, play a second round game before even getting to Indianapolis. And so uh, a lot to play for this weekend. Don's really need to sweep the week. And it starts with a game against Milwaukee, currently sitting, I believe, third place in the You would standings. be correct. And, and, yep, sitting uh, at third with 12 and 6. And so, I think, are they tied at third? Yes, with Northern Kentucky. Yeah, Northern Kentucky and Milwaukee, both 12-6. and six. Of course, sitting in second place is Cleveland State. And all alone in first place right now, Youngstown State, the Penguins. Uh, and so, those four teams will look to have the bye. Uh, and then, of course, a fifth-place team also gets a bye, but they have to go on the road in the quarterfinals and play the fourth seed. So, uh we don't know. Again, the Mastodons could end up anywhere from five to nine by the time this weekend's over because of how all the matchups take place. Ball State, meanwhile, a uh, tough one for Ball State this weekend. They went up to Western Michigan, who's had a tough season. I think they've got six or seven wins on the year, and they beat Ball State 78 to 68. So the Cardinals happen to bounce back, and their schedule, a tough one to wrap up. Uh, league play this week they've got kent state coming up tomorrow at home at worthen arena then on saturday the cardinals will head to eastern michigan take on imani bates and eastern michigan this saturday next week ball state will be on the road at akron who right now is 19 and 8 on Tuesday, and then they'll finish on Friday, March 3rd, with a game that is now going to be on the CBS Sports Network. It was just picked up. It was announced earlier today. It's going to be a 6 o'clock tip at home against the Toledo Rockets. And I believe Toledo is currently on an 8 or 9 game winning streak. And so uh, that's how Ball State's going to finish off their regular season. Uh, last night... What a joke with the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, I mean, it's it's not even fair to call it an All-Star Game because game might be a misuse of the term. It is more a game of horse who can hit threes 
and maybe a little bit of a slam dunk contest thrown in. There was nothing about this that resembled a game. There was no defense whatsoever. It's like an exhibition of skills. Nobody even attempted to steal. This game was as legitimate as the Harlem Globetrotters versus Washington for all those years. <laughs> the generals. The generals. Um, you know, it's like when the Globetrotters go into their uh, routine. It's like, a don't, don't, don't get in the way. You're the- Washington. Don't mess it up. Nope, you, you, you let that whistling music play and let them do their little yeah. basketball tricks. Let them do their little tricks and just stay out of the way. And last night, uh, LeBron decided to actually defend. It kind of was an initiation or orientation for one of the new guys, Shea Gilgis Alexander. And he didn't like it. He was surprised. Somebody actually tried to defend me. What's going on here? This is the all-star <laughs> game. You let me have my moment. Nope. No. I mean... I mean, nobody went for rebounds. Nobody tried to defend anybody driving to the basket. It was, let me ask this. What was worse last night? The end of the Daytona 500, which had absolutely no drama other than everybody getting in a wreck and taking like three green flags to try to finish, or the NBA All-Star Game. What was a greater disappointment or a bigger embarrassment? The... Daytona 500 or the NBA All-Star Game. And then we ought to take this to round two and say, okay, what is worse? The last year that we had to sit through and suffer through a Pro Bowl game or last night sitting through and suffering through an NBA All-Star Game. Neither one resembles what we see on a weekly basis. This wasn't like if you just had one of these games played with the best of the best. Imagine how good that would be. No, not quite. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Yeah, we got a text. This was about the uh, Damian Chongqui game winner. They asked, why didn't the other team put any pressure on him instead of just letting him dribble up the court? I'll tell you this. It was surprising to me that Coach Kaufman did not take a timeout, but it turned out to be a very brilliant move. Because it did not allow Wright State to know what they were doing defensively. And all it takes is one or two guys to start a premature celebration. Because the whole goal of the play by Wright State was to take it down to a final shot and let Trey Calvin win it. And Trey Calvin backed down Damian Shonqui, who is only 5'8", backed him down. They cleared out so that the Dons couldn't send any help defense. And then Calvin did a step back baseline jumper right over Sean Quee to score. But he left 2.8 seconds on the clock. So Wright State at that moment, and it's natural human reaction. At that moment, they're thinking of celebrating with their team because what are they probably expecting? What customarily happens when a guy hits a shot with 2.8 seconds, there's a timeout called, right? Because the team with the ball is going to try to set up something to get it to half court to try to get a good look at a shot. Coach Kaufman said, this team's been there before. I trust them. They know exactly what we're going to do. We're going to push it into the front court. They're prepared for it. I didn't have to call a timeout. All you had to do was get some little bit of indecision from Wright State, and that's probably why 
the closest defender to Damian Sean Kui was the five man for Wright State. The only guy within 10 feet of him when he let it go was Brandon Knoll, who's a 6'9 post player for Wright State. I think what happened was a couple of Wright State players might have celebrated, chest bumped or something, and I didn't see it, but I'm just assuming a natural reaction is to get excited for your teammate who just hit a what you think is a game-winning bucket, and the other team's heading the other way on you before you even realize they didn't call timeout. And... Uh, and I thought at the time when the Dons didn't call it that they must not have a timeout available because you could see they scrambled to get the ball out and get it inbounded quickly. And Coach Kaufman told me on the post game, we had timeouts. I didn't want to use it. Our guys know what they have to do in that moment. They know how much time they have left. I trust them to go ahead and run something, and I feel it's better to run against them while they're scrambling rather than try to let them have the the ability to set up their defense. And so they inbounded it, hurried it into the front court. Sean Kui buried the 35-footer. There's debate on how far that shot was, by the way. Yeah. Because he launched from maybe about 38, 39 feet. He was falling forward. He released it, and then he fell to the ground at about 31 feet. So if you take the difference between the two, it's like a 35-foot <laughs> shot. Now, you have to remember, when I called it on the, the play-by-play, do we still have that, by the way? Yeah, let me uh, pull well, that up. I, I want to mention something, because this was the call last night, or yesterday afternoon, when Damian Sean Kui, uh took the ball after Wright State had scored to take their first lead of the game. Calvin backing down on Sean Queen. Turnaround baseline jump for good with 2.8 seconds. Now the Dons, Sean Queen to midcourt. The three on the way. Got it! He got it! Damian Sean Queen just hit a 35 foot three. And the Dons win the game. Ah, yeah, I got to love that moment with the band playing and the crowd uh, running out, big dog pile out on the court as the Mastodons won. But when he shot it, I've got to admit this, I had no idea. I didn't see it. Because when you're sitting there on press row, especially off of center court, you often have either an official in your way or the opposing coach, because for some reason they put me on the visiting side of the scorer's table, so I've always got the visiting coach right in front of me. And uh, and Scott Nagy may have been in front of me. I don't know. I was trying to focus on Sean Kui, and I just remember that as he got to midcourt, I couldn't see what happened, and then I saw the ball come out of his hand. So I I did not actually see the release or the specific location of where he released it, but I did see the result. And what a beautiful thing it was to see the ball go through the hoop and the Dons win that game. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Always love to hear from you. We'll get back to text here in a couple of minutes, but we do have to take a break because Don Fisher, legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, is going to join us next. You're listening to the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy. And, of course, yesterday wasn't just 
college basketball on campus here in Fort Wayne. Yeah, we'd love to talk about the Mastodons the entire show uh, after the drama that they had against Wright State with that long three-pointer by Damian Shanqui winning the game 77-75 over the Wright State Raiders. It really puts things into perspective in the Horizon League because now you've got the Mastodons who have an opportunity if they can have success on the road. And they've been a pretty good road team this year. If they can go have success at Milwaukee and at Green Bay, and then you've got a lot of people with a challenging schedule this week, and uh, you could end up with as many as five teams that could finish 10-10 and 10 in the Horizon League. And then you've got to go deep, deep into the uh, rule book and look at tiebreaker scenarios to try to figure out exactly how everybody's going to be seated. But uh, it's, it's going to be a crazy week of Horizon League basketball, but it's also going to be a crazy week for the Indiana Hoosiers. That's right. Indiana coming off the win against Illinois on Saturday. They've got games lined up this week against Michigan State tomorrow night. And, of course, the IU-Purdue rematch. It happens at Mackey Arena coming up on Saturday. And every week we have the pleasure of being joined by the play-by-play voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. He is a legend. He is an icon. He is a Hall of Famer. It is Don Fisher joining us now on our guest line. Don, it was a split week this week as the Hoosiers fell on the road to Northwestern in a tight win, 64-62, but bounced back at the home win against the Fighting Illini at Simon Scott Assembly Hall on Saturday. Uh, Hoosiers now have won nine of their last 11. They continue to be one of the hottest teams in the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, right now you're just looking for some team to kind of separate themselves in that second-place position. And the, the, the Hoosiers were close they needed that one at northwestern but uh it's uh it's a team that seems to be playing its best basketball at the right time of year i don't disagree at all brett i think this team is playing well they're 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 finding ways to win ball games uh in what is obviously a gauntlet of very difficult challenges week after week but they are finding ways to win most of the time now the problem with the northwestern game earlier this week was the fact that they just put themselves in too big a hole in the first half. They were down 19 at halftime, 21 at one point in the first half. Uh, they just couldn't shoot the ball. They shot 28% from the field in the first half of the ball game, 6 of 21, didn't make a three, struggled free throw line, missing four out of their 12 shots there. So they were really having a tough time knocking the ball in the basket. But then they came out in the second half, and immediately went to work, and they cut the lead down, or they cut the 19-point deficit down, uh, and actually tied the ball game with about a minute to go in the contest, uh, which I'm sure most people thought, my goodness, if they've done that, they've got a chance to win this thing, which they did. Unfortunately, they didn't get it done because uh, they did turn the ball over at one point. Um, and then on top of that, Boo Booey, who is having a tremendous season for Northwestern, little guard that uh, had 21 points in this ball game, and he made plays throughout the contest. Uh, he comes uh, down the floor, drives in, uh, gets a short jump shot off, and knocks down the shot to give them a 64-62 to 62 triumph. So uh, Indiana really hurt themselves with that first-half performance. Too many turnovers, not being able to make shots, not executing the offense. Uh, Northwestern took advantage and built just enough of a lead at that point uh, that it uh, held them over for the victory. So 
Unfortunately, Indiana falls on that one, but then they did bounce back against Illinois on Saturday. What do you make of that Northwestern team? I mean, nobody expected to be at this position, but I, I mean, I think they've they've kind of proven their uh, their validity. I don't think they've kind of proven it. I think they have proven it. They beat Purdue. They beat Indiana. Uh, they're beating everybody that they play now. They're 11-5 and in the league, just a game back of the Boilermakers, a game in front of Indiana, who's in third place by themselves right now. Although there are six teams with seven losses. Indiana's got six. Six other teams have seven losses, so it's still up for grabs as far as the top four spots in the league are concerned at the end of the season. But Indiana's still in, in the hunt for a Big Ten championship. They're two games back of Purdue right now with four games to go. Northwestern, of course, is just a game back of the Boilermakers, and Indiana does play Purdue this coming week, so that'll be interesting. Of course, they play them at Mackey, which will make it much more difficult, but Northwestern is for real. They are one of the better defensive teams in the country, not just the Big Ten. They play so hard at the defensive end of the floor. They find ways to make it difficult for you to score baskets, and then on top of that, Bowie and Audige, Chase Audige, the other guard, those two guys carry them offensively, but they have other players who stepped up, Robbie Barron, Ty Berry, both of those guys can knock down threes, and they play so hard defensively that it just it ruins your execution plans in a ball game offensively. Uh, you've got to find different ways to beat them, and they certainly gave uh, uh, Trace Jackson Davis all he could handle in the first half of that matchup at Northwestern. He did bounce back after scoring just five points and one field goal in the first half and he had 23 for the ball game so 17 second half points but let's face it, they're a, they are a for real ball club and it's, it's surprising in the sense that they lost their two big guys from a year ago, Ryan Young and Pete Nance. Those guys went to Duke and North Carolina respectively so you know that they were really good players. So everybody just thought, well, losing those two guys, this team's going to be a flop. They're just not going to be very good. you got to give Chris Collins credit. This guy's done a masterful job of getting his kids to play hard at the defensive end. And then those guards, as we said, are two of the best guards in the country. And, you know, with Northwestern, one of their X factors, I think, is Brooks Barnheiser, the Indiana product who ends up going out of state. Of course, there's always that one that got away. But Barnheiser's an energy guy off their bench. He can guard a two, a three, maybe even a four, the way he plays. Um, I think every team needs a guy like that. I don't think there's any question. I mean, he's a really good player. He does his. He plays his role superbly. Mm-hmm. He doesn't try to do too much. He does exactly what his coaches ask him to do. Uh, he's a smart kid. He's got a great basketball IQ. His dad, of course, is a head high school coach. Uh, there's no question. I mean, this guy is terrific uh, in the sense of what he does for his basketball team. And again, uh, a very coachable kid and one that does exactly what his coaches ask him to do. And that's why he's so valuable. Of course, that Indiana came back, took on Illinois at home. Illinois a little bit shorthanded. Um, how much did that hurt the Illini? Did that have an impact, do you think, on this game? You know, uh, I, I think Shannon being out, I thought, was going to be a real detriment to him. I think they played probably maybe their best basketball game in a long time in regard to how they've been performing of late. Uh, I, I, think, I think they really stepped up. I think they had guys that played. I mean, Shannon dominates the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's that's what he does as a player. He's their leading scorer. 
He's their leading assist man. He dominates the ball. But without him, they played more like uh, a team. I, I don't mean that there's, uh, you know, they don't share the basketball when, when Shannon's out there. But I think they played more as a team. And they were fired up. And Brad Underwood did a great job of getting these guys ready to play, uh, getting them to understand their roles in this ball game. Ty Rogers, a guy that doesn't play tons of minutes, had 26 in this game and really played well for him. And Matthew Meyer, who didn't score a single point in the first matchup between Indiana and Illinois and Champaign, he had 24 in this game and knocked down four threes in the first half before Indiana kind of got him under control in the second half of the contest. But uh, they just, I thought they played really well as a team and without Shannon in there uh, they gave Indiana all they could handle and uh, Indiana of course uh, could have probably helped themselves a couple of free throws late but uh, overall getting a win it's a win you move on and uh, and take the victory over Illinois at home Trace Jackson Davis did make it official if it wasn't official uh, that this is going to be it for him at Indiana he's ready to move on what have you seen as far as the development of Trace Jackson Davis to me I don't see that he does a whole lot of different things i just think he does what he does better i think you're probably right but the biggest improvement that i've seen in trace jackson davis is his ability to play hard for for whatever number of minutes he's on the floor trace has been a guy through his career even in high school and i watched him in high school several ball games uh, he would have a really good game and dominate the floor, and then the next ball game out, he'd kind of take off. And not that he was, I don't want to say he was lazy, but he just didn't have the same fire in his belly for the next time out. He had up and down ball games a lot during his high school career, and we kind of saw that through his college career in his freshman, sophomore, and junior seasons. I thought last year he played hard most of the time, but there were still games that he, that he just didn't play as hard as he did previously. This year, He's never ta- he hadn't taken a game off this season. He has played hard in every ball game. The only game that I would argue that maybe he didn't play his best or really work his tail off in was the Rutgers game, the first meeting back in December. Other than that, this guy has played lights-out basketball all season. He's playing more minutes than he ever has. He's playing harder than he ever has. And I think he's improved all the other things that they thought he needed to improve Everything with the exception of shooting outside jump shots, because we still haven't seen many of those this season. (laughs) But uh, aside from that, there's nobody that's improved more in regard to how hard he plays than Trace Jackson Davis. Coming up this week, it's a tough week of road games. Michigan State starts it on Tuesday, and then, uh, of course, somebody named Purdue comes up on the schedule this weekend. (laughs) But let's talk about Michigan State real quick. And uh, Trace Jackson Davis kind of dominated game one between these two teams. Indiana wins at 82. Two to sixty-nine. I gotta think Michigan State's going to run those doubles at Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, I think that's going to be the case. I would think that uh, that's exactly what Illinois did because they didn't double Trace the first time they played him either. But Trace found a way to make things happen in this game against Illinois. This time he had twenty-six and and twelve. <laughs> he continues to just play terrific. 
there's no doubt, though, Michigan State will play. I think they'll play Trace differently. And the Spartans, of course, we don't know what their mentality will be because of the tragedy last week. Um, they did lose to Michigan on Saturday, the first game back uh, after uh, postponing a ball game midweek. But uh, I don't know what the mindset will be. And that, that, the question I would have is they're going to be playing at home. Uh, they'll be playing with Tom Izzo, trying to get these kids fired up again. Uh, I think it'll be a real challenge on th- on Tuesday night. I think uh, Tom Izzo will turn this into uh, something to motivate his team. They're playing yes, for something bigger than just a basketball game. And I think uh, Michigan State certainly, and they're always tough at the Breslin Center. I don't know that you need a lot of extra motivation, but the first home game after the tragedy, uh, I think they will be ready to play. And then, of course, the Boilermakers, which could be a huge game depending on the outcome come between now and then purdue gets a rest this week yep it's going to be interesting and purdue of course doesn't need any rest when they play indiana because <laughs> mac arena will be absolutely a madhouse it will be don always appreciate you thanks so much have a great week uh we'll listen to the call of michigan state coming up tuesday night and of course the saturday night primetime game against purdue Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. That is Don Fisher joining us here on our guest line. Of course, our 15 minutes with fish, always presented by Cruzy Automotive Service. You can get an oil change as low as $19.90. All you've got to do is tell them you heard it here on the Sports Rush. That's Cruzy Automotive Service, Lima Road, north of Wall and south of Till, right behind the Shell gas station. We've got to take a break. We're going to come back. It's more on the other side on this Monday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Glad to have you with us on this Monday. I am Brett Rump, Adam Lundy in the producer's chair. You're connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. Questions, comments, suggestions. What did you think about the high school basketball draw? That happened yesterday. I know a lot of teams get together and spend uh, a Sunday evening having some burgers or tacos or pizza or something. And they sit around, they watch the draw unfold, find out who they're going to play. I saw on social media a number of our area teams were gathered to uh, to take in the draw. And uh, once again, plenty of evidence that this thing needs to be seeded. I, you know, I, I go on the same rant every time we have a tournament draw, and I'm kind of tired of it. But to be honest, it, it just makes so much sense. There is no logical reason. If you can change the format of the basketball tournament, which is like, you know, that that's that's taking some risks right there. Because, you know, this is Indiana. You make changes to our basketball tournament. That's like changing scripture. And, uh, and so I think it's time that we figure out a way to separate at least the top two seeds of each sectional. And I thought this morning, Justin and Justin, the Double J Show, uh, with Justin uh, Prince sitting in for Caleb Hatch, I thought they did a really good job of explaining some of the benefits of separating teams so that you don't have the highest profile matchup matchup either at 6 o'clock on a weeknight or even at 6 o'clock on a Friday night. That... You know, the stage is set for that late Friday game and for the Saturday championship. But that's when really the showdown should happen. That's when people have the time to plan to go to a game on a Saturday night. And uh, and I think that if somebody gets upset, so be it. But I don't think two teams should play each other in the first round because then somebody's out by virtue of a draw, not because of how they played. They could have played really well in their first game 
and have only one game, one and done, because the ping pong ball decided to put them against the only tough challenger in their sectional. And I think you've got a little bit of that in uh, in the Carroll sectional for boys. I think you've got two best teams playing right off the bat. And so uh, I, I'd like to see uh, just the top two. And, I, you know, whatever format you want to use, if it's the records against teams in the sectional during the season, if it's Sager and ratings, if the coaches have a vote, whatever you have to use, uh, I think you, you figure out a way to seed teams one and two in each sectional so that there's the likelihood, especially if there's two buys, because then they should have an upper bracket buy and a lower bracket buy and not even have to worry with the first round. Now, I know there are coaches that would say, well, I actually kind of like playing that first game as long as we play somebody that I know we can beat. But to me, there's an advantage in having the rest Shake off the rust quickly. Yes, you might be a little rusty on that Friday night game. But if you're not playing the toughest opponent, the sectional in that Friday game, you still should be okay. And it should be a benefit to be able to play uh, a semifinal and a championship as opposed to having to play three rounds. I just uh, I'm just a big proponent of getting the, the tournament seated. But congratulations to the Wayne Generals. You heard it here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM on Friday. The Wayne Generals beat the Concordia Cadets. And the Wayne Generals are your SAC champions. In some ways, it kind of tells you the state of the SAC this year. And and I'm not trying to be critical, but I don't think it's a strong year for the SAC. There's not as quite quite as many uh, Big Ten players. You know, we've we've seen consistently one or two Big Ten players going at it in the Summit Athletic Conference over the last few years, and in our area, probably three or four. SAC players. When you add in Blackhawk Christian, you add in Central Noble, where you had Connor Asesian. At Blackhawk Christian, of course, you had Caleb First. Uh, we had a lot of, of big-time Division One, Power 5 conference-type talent. And this year, I don't know that the talent is at that level. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that are rebuilding that are normally pretty good basketball teams. And so there was opportunity for Wayne and take nothing away from the Wayne Generals because they they earned this title. But I don't think it was as strong a year. And I guess the question I've got is when I look at this tournament, is there any reason to believe at this point somebody's going to be playing in a championship game? Normally, we could almost always pencil in Blackhawk Christian to play in a 1A state championship but now Blackhawk Christian is a two-way program and has to play through the two-A tournament draw. They could face Wapahani, number two ranked team in the Class 2A in a regional. Do we have confidence that Blackhawk Christian can make the run down to state? What about the Norwell Knights? Are they good enough to advance in 3A? Do we have a 4A team that you have confidence in making a deep run in the tournament? We already know that on the girls' side, we've got nothing. State championships are going to be this coming Saturday, and we got nowhere to go. Normally, we would be making a trip down to Indy to cover a girls' state championship game. What about the boys? Are they going to have someone playing down in Indy four weeks after the tournament starts? Crickets? Nothing? 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Yeah, I mean, it's just 
it's a tough draw. It's 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 not what it's not ideal is what I would say. I I want to see everybody in the area get a fair chance. And it, and it's not so much the draw here. It's just the the talent as you advance through this tournament. I think there's better teams that are going to be obstacles for our local teams to be able to make it down to Indianapolis. And I would love to see an Indianapolis or a Fort Wayne area team playing for a state championship. And in no way am I anti Fort Wayne playing for a state championship because somebody always hears this wrong. But I do have to ask the question, based on the season that we just had, what we've observed, do we have a team that we feel confident can make a deep run in this tournament, whether it's 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A, four six eight six two Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Tell us who you believe in if there is a team that's going to make it. If you agree with me, let us know you agree with me. You know, there is no penalty for agreeing with me. You can actually, you can actually text the show. Those buttons still work, and the texts still deliver if you say, hey, Rump's right this time. <laughs> it doesn't happen often, but we do like to get a text every once in a while, just an affirmation. Um, I, I just, I don't know if it's there. And, uh, and, and I've been trying to watch and follow high school basketball. And, of course, if you cover high school basketball, uh, hopefully you've done your homework and you know kind of the scenarios of each of the teams and, uh, the one loss records of each of the teams, what their path is going to be, because uh, that's pretty important if you're uh, given the opportunity and the responsibility of covering high school basketball. But uh, as far as I know and what I've been able to follow, because I haven't been covering the trail each week, is that uh, that I don't see a team that stands out to me, and I think that's the team we're riding to take us down to Indianapolis. I've always reserved that Saturday, by the way. You know, I always I always hope, hey, by, uh, you know, the third weekend in March or whatever weekend that is, I kind of figure I might as well leave it open and hope for nice weather because it's usually fairly spring-like down in Indianapolis about that time of year. But I don't know if I've got a team to go follow this year. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. How about Indiana women yesterday? Getting the huge win over Purdue and doing it in front of a record crowd. And it will be a record that probably won't be broken. A sellout. Unless you, uh, you know, exceed the fire code. It was a sellout crowd for the Indiana women yesterday in their game against Purdue. Over 17,000 were in attendance as the number two ranked Indiana Hoosiers women's basketball team continued to dominate with a big win over their in-state rival, the Purdue Boilermakers, sweeping the season series uh, and claiming at least a share of the Big Ten title. Just got a text on our text line, 46862. Someone said, Rump is right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. (laughs) Will you please frame that text? I want to have it on my wall in my office. They also say... It's a down year for the Fort Wayne area. Maybe Norwell can get on a heater. Uh, that's the only team I'm thinking about, and I'm also thinking, well, Blackhawk, we'll see how they do in 2A. I think they've got the talent. If they play consistently well, I think they've got a shot. But uh, it's uh, it's not like it is in most years where we feel like we've got two or three teams that have a shot. Of course, you know, we looked at Homestead the last couple of years, and you had Fletcher Lawyer a year ago. You had Luke Goody a couple of years ago. So you always had that Big Ten star power that it's like, boy, if they get hot, they could carry their team all the way down to Indianapolis. Um, I, it, it, it isn't quite there right now. 
Northrop had a tough year. Uh, Northside's been up and down a little bit. You've got uh, Carroll that's kind of on a rebuild year two. They're they're building, but I don't think they're a team that we expect to go far in the tournament. They'll have a challenge in their own sectional. Uh, it's it's just one of those years, and I don't know if Wayne is mature enough to uh, to get through through the tournament. And I don't mean you know maturity as far as acting like kids and babies. This is an athletic maturity where. You haven't been there before. You haven't been the team that's had success. Sometimes you've got to go through it once before you understand what that grind is. And, you know, so they're inexperienced in that regard, which is what I mean by maturity, um, is that uh, they just don't have the experience of going deep into a tournament and knowing what that pressure is like. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Also, congrats to Indiana Tech. They had a big weekend because they were at home at the Schaefer Center on Saturday. The men beat Lords 90-79. to The men are now 25-3, and and they have an outright whack WHAC conference title. And the women's basketball team also claimed the uh, regular season championship. They beat Lords 81 to 66. So congratulations to Jesse Biggs and to Ted Albert, coaches at Indiana Tech, on their regular season championships. We'll take a break. We'll come back. You're listening to the Sports Rush at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. We got a good high school basketball game coming up this Friday as the Homestead Spartans hit the road to take on the Norwell Knights. See if that heater starts this Friday. We've got postgame at the Wayndale Pizza Hut for the Parkview Sports Medicine postgame show. All our high school coverage presented by Indiana Physical Therapy. Also had somebody weigh in about Blackhawk, their chances in Class 2A. Yeah, someone texted in, Blackhawk is just as physical as years past. Very talented, capable of a championship, no doubt. And that's from, signed, an area coach. There you go. So uh, some faith in Blackhawk Christian. So, again, I'm not going to make plans on that Saturday. I'm leaving that day open, hoping that one of our teams does make it down to Indianapolis. Coming up next, we've got the Matt Painter Show. Get uh, Coach Painter's take on what to do with this week off before they prep for Indiana coming up on Saturday and get his thoughts about the big win over Ohio State at Mackey Arena yesterday. No Mike Woodson show this week because the Hoosiers are traveling. They're on their way up to East Lansing. They'll take on the Michigan State Spartans tomorrow night. Of course, the Indiana Hoosiers can always be heard on our sister station, Big 92.3. Thanks to the guests that appeared on today's Sports Rush, Dylan Sin from the Journal Gazette covering the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers. Also, Don Fisher, legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. We're going to come back tomorrow. Four to six, wrapping up your Tuesday with another edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.